welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. But we are in part three of three in this series we are calling My Vats Are Brimming. And so everyone say, my vats are brimming. Nice. You guys are doing good today. Every, uh, our key scripture where we are, where, where this title flows from is, is out of Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read this scripture, and then in a few minutes I'm going to let Megan go. But we're just going to keep her on pins and needles for now. We'll see how long she'll play for us. Uh, but it says this, honor the Lord with, with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled and overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now this is, this is a key passage in the series, but it's really a passage about God's promise of blessing. It's, it's actually quite of an awe-inspiring passage to consider that what if we actually live this verse? What if we honored God with our wealth? Like what would happen? What would God really do? And so the title of today's message is The Blessing of Blessing, meaning the blessing of blessing. We all would agree probably that there is great blessing in being a blessing. Anyone agree with this? That that we believe that that in theory and in principle, most of us agree with the notion that if uh, it feels great, it feels good to be good to others, that, that we, when we give kindness, that often kindness returns. And, and so sometimes we can get that confused and think, oh, when we're do good, uh, then good will happen to us. And when we do bad, bad will happen to us. And we say, oh, isn't that karma? And, and I would say, uh, no, that's not what the blessing of blessing means. This is not a give so you can get sort of thing. This is not be good so you can get good. This is not do right so you can earn brownie points. Because I do want to be able to say today as we begin that the gospel is unequivocally opposite of this notion of karma, which I know that's kind of a weird thing to bring up, but because the gospel story is a story where the bad are blessed. And I think that that's really core to know. And when I say that, I mean that no matter where we are in life, no matter what we're facing, no matter, a lot of times we think we gotta do right for God, for God to do right for us. And I just want you to know the gospel is exactly the opposite of that. That no matter how sinful we are, how tattered we are, or how broken we are, that God meets us in that place and he blesses us. And and I think that this is really core to what this is really all about as we get into even the blessing of blessing is that God is good and he wants to even, he wants to bless you no matter where you are in your story. You know, a couple Sundays ago we had a service where we had 14 people that we celebrated their baptism, 14 souls that experienced the furious love of God. And we get to celebrate that with them. And I was so compelled by the stories of those that were baptized that day. It was just one story after another of God's blessing pouring into someone's life who was in desperate need. And I'll I'll point to one of those stories, it's from Reuben. And Reuben said this, he said, six years ago was the beginning of my drug addiction, my downward spiral in life. And toward the end of my drug use, I started seeking out God as I began to question if my life was truly worth living. I didn't realize that God had been revealing himself during my entire struggle in my addiction. And during my last year of drug use, I had near death experience and I called out to God and he saved me. And in return, I've given my life to him. 
And I love, I, I love that moment when I read that story aloud for the first time. I see him get baptized and he comes up and, and, and we saw this 14 different times. And, and I was just so struck by the fact that God has the power of life over death. And that, that truly the good news of the gospel is the fact that no matter where we are, no matter what our circumstances, no matter how far now we've, we've, we've found ourselves from them, that he finds us and he looks to bless us. And I just think how remarkable that is. I mean, have you been struck by the remarkable blessing that God has given you? In some ways, I just feel like that's where we need to pause for a moment before I go forward with this message. That there is, there is this furious love, this reckless love that God has for us. And that the gospel is constantly calling us to not only understand how much he loves us, but to understand that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter how far we are, that he still pursues us. He still wants to pour out his blessing on us. And I just think, man, is there anything else that we should be more thankful for than that today? Are you guys with me? I feel like I, feel like I really need to ask that again. Are you guys with me? Well, Father, we just pray right now that as we just rest in that gratitude and that thankfulness for how you bless us, that, Father, truly, as we even dive deeper into this word today, that, Father, you would open our heart to new things, to ways that you want to show us and teach us. And, God, we love you and we trust in you and we thank you for how you see us even in our darkest days. Lord, we love you. We pray these things. Thanks, Megan. I like that. Well, uh, in addition to the good news that the Bible teaches us about the gospel, there's also some good news that the Bible teaches that there is blessing and blessing. As true as the promise is that God blesses us no matter what, there's also another promise. There's an and to that good story. Everyone say and. And he loves to pour out so much blessing on his children that truly he wants our lives to be filled to the brim. In addition to that, he loves to give to those who love to give. He loves to be faithful to those who are faithful. He loves to be trustworthy with those who are trustworthy. And he loves to give blessing to those who love to bless. And I think that that is something that is not only good news, but is the right place for us to begin today. In Luke 6, Jesus says something incredibly powerful about this promise of blessing that I want us to kind of start with. We're going to kind of build around this. But in Luke 6, verse 38, he says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I love this, right? This past week, in preparation for Thanksgiving, Christy was... Christy was hard at work in the kitchen, baking pies and other things, you know, doing the hard work of God for the rest of us, right? She was, she was, and as any good cook knows, when you are baking pies and cookies and cakes, for example, when you're making these critical additions to the meal, there must be something that a good cook possesses in their mind, right? And it's the understanding of what a good measure is. Are you all with me? Because... When you're making cookies, for example, which I know isn't necessarily a staple of Thanksgiving, but nonetheless, when you're making cookies, you want a good measure of chocolate chips going into those cookies. Would anyone agree? Yeah. 
You want to press those down. You want to get the air out. You want to make sure that goes in because whenever you eat the cookie with a good measure of chocolate chip cookies in them, you realize, oh, man, the goodness and mercy of the Lord must be upon me today. (laughs) Right? Because here's what we know is that when we give generously, we receive generously. I love this language uh, in, in Luke 6.38. I want to read what Eugene Peterson writes in his rendition of the New Testament in the message version of the Bible where we read it this way. He says it like this, same verse, give away your life and you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, but given back with bonus and blessing. Everyone say blessing. blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. In other words, God cares about you. And what I mean by that is he cares about your life. He actually has a plan. He's like, you give away your life, I'm going to give you more back in return. He cares about what you do, how you give. He cares about how you bless. He cares about your money because he cares about your life. And when I, as we start to pull into this a little bit around the idea of giving, we, have, we come face to face with the reality that we're talking a little bit about our resources, our money. And he cares about our money because Jesus knows something about our money. He says, I know that there is the danger and the potential that money will master you. He says, there's actually only one master, and it's the Lord. He says, you cannot serve both. They cannot both be a master in your life. One will lead to greed and to evil. The other will lead to something else. And so he says, I want the Lord to be the master of your life. So Jesus is continually teaching us about how to give our life to this. And by the way, Jesus never asked us to do something that he didn't fully give, do first. And so when he says, I want you to give your life away, Jesus is like, I did that. I did that. So let's go back to this passage that we've been looking at from Proverbs 3. Verse 9 and 10. Look at it for just a moment. We've read this many times over the last three weeks. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. The promise begins with this instruction. It says then, right? Right in the middle it says then, but the promise begins with this instruction. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Meaning, the very beginning of your wealth, the very first of your Crops in this agricultural language is to be given to the Lord as an offering. This verse is an instruction that is echoed through the scriptures time and time again. And it's a principle that God teaches us. And we'll come back to that principle in a moment. But here's what I want to do today. It's a little bit of a different message. We are going to end this message, what I believe is kind of a a cool, exciting new vision that I feel like um, we want to We want to share in a way that we can honor the Lord with our wealth as a church. How do we honor God with our wealth? And so we've been praying about that. And and what I mean by that is how can this church collectively, through the tithes and offerings that we already give, how can we use that in a way that even is more honoring than what we already do? So we're going to end with that today because we feel like this church can experience the blessing of blessing. But before we do that, I thought it would be really good to lean all the way into this idea of how do we honor the Lord with our wealth personally. I took a couple weeks earlier this year, back in January, actually, to do a deep dive on this subject. So I'm not going to spend much on it. I'm going to spend a few minutes, do a brief overview. We'll call it an expose, right? An expose of God's design for giving. So here's, if it's okay, my 10-minute expose on honoring God with our wealth. Y'all ready to go? We're going to do this really fast, but it's really good, right? So let's start with when Jesus says this, give and it will be given to you. He is letting us in on one of the secrets of the kingdom. We don't give to get, but there is a biblical consequence to giving. Some consequences are good, right? If we sow generously, we will reap generously. 
give a lot away, receive a lot of blessing. Many of you know that blessing doesn't always mean money in return, right? But generosity always yields more generosity. That's just the way it works. So first of all, I want to remind us of something that's really critical in this space, that God doesn't need you to give. You need you to give. (laughs) God doesn't need your giving. He will use your giving. He will bless your giving. He will show you how he can give it purpose and he can give it meaning in this world. But God doesn't need you to give. He knows that you need you to give because in your giving is when he can actually unlock something in your heart. He can unlock something in you that is only possible through generosity. It's only possible through letting go of the things that we cling to for security. He's like, I know the secrets of the kingdom is give and it will be given to you. For the last few years, if, any, if I give any encouragement about this area of money or giving and God's teaching, I have simplified really what I feel like is God's most kind of key, key understanding and key, key value in this whole space. And I've borrowed it uh, from other writers, but also it's all from the Bible. It says this. This is the idea, that God must be first. Everyone say, God must be first. That's it. Honoring God with our wealth begins right here, making God first in our life. Because I want you to try really hard to just put this in the context of your money. Is God first with your money? Does he come first or do other things come first? Do your bills come first? But you're like, well, they have to. Does your financial goals come first? Have you prioritized what God teaches around giving, around around honoring him with your wealth? Some of us are like, I'm not even sure what he teaches. Some of us are always thinking like there's a real practicality and a rational thought when it comes to how we how we manage our money. There's a rational process where some things are required for me to survive and other things aren't. For example, I need food to survive. I need to pay for my house. I need to maybe pay for my car or whatever it may be. And giving is something that's more of a want to, not a have to. I don't have to give to survive, but I do have to do other things to survive. And here's what I would say to that is, I believe the most important scriptural truth that we can derive from the biblical narrative when it comes to our money and to our generosity and to our possessions is that God must come first in all of it. The Bible says a lot about this put God first thing. The financial priority begins with the word first fruits. We've been reading this. Again, I'm just pulling out the words that we've been saying. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits, right? So a quick refresher on first fruits. This idea of first fruits in the scripture is tied to your wealth and livelihood. And it's something that God says, hey, I need you to give. This is, again, going back centuries. Give of your firstborn. Give of your first the first fruits from your crops, I want those to be an offering and a sacrifice unto the Lord. This goes all the way back to the very beginning of the scriptures. Exodus 23, 9 says it this way. Bring the first of the first fruits of your land. You shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Did you notice that? It says the first of your first fruits. That's what God wants. Meaning the very first crops that you receive, bring them. So again, this is, this is an ancient language, an agricultural language, but it has very, very uh, modern implications because it has to do with your livelihood. So let's imagine something different other than growing crops, if we can. Let's, let's just say, we'll, we'll keep it in the growing space. Let's imagine you're a beekeeper. All right, you're a beekeeper. You make all the honey for your local village because you live in a village. And your nickname is Honeypot. Look at your... Look at your neighbor and say, hello, honeypot. Was that awkward for anybody? 
I, I can get you guys to say anything, I think. So here's the thing. Let's just say that you're expecting to get 100 pots of honey this month. So if you bring the first of the first fruits, it means that you bring the first 10 honey pots that you, that you receive, believing in faith that the other 90 are going to come. So this is what he means by the first of the first fruits. You bring the very first of it, you give that as offering the Lord. It's an act of trust and faith, believing that God's not only going to bring what you expect, but he's going to breed exceedingly more. He's going he's to actually bless you, and there's going to be more blessing, because when you give, it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down and running over poured into your lap. And so there's a principle alive here that when you trust God first, when you make him first, that's when something is unlocked in the way God's math works in the kingdom. Leviticus 27.30 says this, And all the tithe, and the tithe literally means 10%, some of you know this, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, it's holy to the Lord. So when you give the first fruits, it should be a tithe is what this, or excuse me, what this verse is saying. But there's a whole bunch of other verses that say the same thing. Then this practice of tithing is where God creates an order and a structure. Because sometimes giving can feel like it's just whatever everybody wants to do. Like there's no plan. If you feel generous and you feel a little less generous, it's all good. We're all being generous just at different levels. Is it okay for someone to want to give 20%, another person wants to give 5%? Or is there order in all this? And God says, no, there's order. Give a tithe. Give 10%. Give, give this because I know that when you start to trust me in this, that I, again, will unlock your heart and there will be some transformation that starts to take place in you where you're no longer dependent on things, but you're dependent on me. So the world, or excuse me, the word makes a lot of really clear statements around these, these things. He talks about first fruits. He talks about tithe. And in case you don't know much about the tithe, it may seem crazy to think, okay, I'm going to give 10% of what my earnings are to be an offering to the Lord. But think of it like this, that God radically wants to shape your life. That's how he wants to do it. And he knows that it begins right here. So in the most practical way, this means how do you build a budget, right? With 10% of it being an offering to the Lord. And what's an offering to the Lord? That's something that you can pray about and say, God, where does this go? How does this go? So a lot of us struggle with this. And I'm about done with my little expose, but American, the American church, American Christians give on average less than 2% of their income. Check out the scripture in Malachi 3, 8 through 10 with that stat in mind, because there's another blessing promise in this, but there's also a correction and a rebuke. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open, here's the promise, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is sort of like vats brimming once again with blessing. God wants to bless us. God wants to show us how powerful he is. He cares about us. He's not trying to take from us. He's actually trying to give to us. And I think that this is something that so many people in the church have struggled with over the years because anytime a church talks about money or about giving, there's an offense that immediately is felt. But there's no offense in this. This is good news. God actually wants to give you something, and he's trying to teach you something that will actually give you life. And this is how he does it. And this happens in a lot of capacities in our life, but it's not absent of our money. The second thing he says is you can test me. 
Test me. God says, test me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. See if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. This is the one time in the Bible that God says, test me. And, I hear, and when I hear that, what he's saying is, if you trust me, I will prove myself trustworthy. That's what he's saying to us. Tithing is God's historical method to get people on the path to giving. So it's not a place to end. It's not like we fight our way to get to the tithe. He's like, this is the starting blocks, not the finish line. This is, where, this, is the, this is the floor, not the ceiling of our giving. He's like, I want to use this in your life to unlock something in you. We can keep going, but I think we get it. God must be first. Everyone say, God must be first. I've talked about all this before, but I think for some of us, it's good to get the refresher and to bring up God's promise uh, and order to blessing <clears throat> and to remind us that it's all his anyway. It's all his money. Putting God first is the demonstration of our sincerity of love. Because this is not about law. This is about love. Always is that we love the Lord. That's why we give to him. So as we are ending or nearing the end of 2022, I thought it might be helpful to give you a little, like, Little, a little tool that could help you say, how could I start 2023 with a clear plan of how I'm going to honor God with my wealth? And if you're like, well, I'm not wealthy, <laughs> I would just say, well, I didn't say honor God if you're wealthy. I said honor God with your wealth, meaning the things that you have, the blessings that God has given you, and the possessions that you have. So I have a little visual tool for you, and, and uh, it's, just a, it's just a simple thing. Honor God with what I have. And we'll call it this. It's a financial plan to honor God and walk in his blessings. So the first thing is this. We'll just go through this real quick. I've kind of said these things. I don't know if you can read that, but it says, make God first with your budget. You're like, uh, what do you mean? I mean, if you don't have a budget, you should make one. <laughs> Let's start there. You should make one. It's hard to honor God if you don't make a plan to do it. And it's hard to honor God if you don't know where you spend your money. And so I would say honor, making God first with your budget understands and says, you get to ask yourself, how am I spending and does this honor the Lord? And so some of this is a little bit up to you and saying, I'm, I'm going to actually look at what I'm doing. And if I spend way too much money on, you know, Starbucks or whatever, I'm, and then it's ask myself, Lord, is there a better way? So we make God first because I want to say this. It's possible for some of us to tithe but still dishonor the Lord because we haven't really made God first with our entire budget. The second thing, trust God with the tithe. I already mentioned this. But the Lord says, test me this, so go for it. Not one time, but like for the entire year of 2023 and see what God does with it. See if he moves in it. And I know many people give, they make the choice to give, but they don't make the choice to tithe. And again, I would just encourage you, test God in this. See what happens. There's never a point in which you think, oh, I can afford to tithe. That never happens. But I do know that there's, a, there's never a point that God says, uh, if you tithe, I'm not going to bless you. And so there is this realize that God, it's, not, it's not always easy. There is challenge to it. But God doesn't ask us to do things we are unable to do. He always gives us the capacity to do the things he's called us to. And then number three, share with people in need. Find ways to give beyond the tithe and help, help people and to sow seeds into his kingdom. Share what you have. Be generous. I would encourage you to determine a few specific ways that you can share with people and help people do this. Maybe even set aside money in your budget to actually share what you have. Most of us don't probably do that. And then number four, consume less and save more. We don't talk about this point very much today, but I'll say this. One of the ways we honor the Lord with our wealth is we don't use it to consume all that we can. So we don't spend every dollar we have so we can have more in life, right? That we consider ways that we can steward our lives as good keepers of the earth, 
good keepers of mindful consumption so we aren't living and breathing on how much we can find the satisfaction of the accumulation of more things, but that we start to find our satisfaction in the things and the ways of God and the things that he's calling us to. And we have money in order to actually sow into those things. So we are saving more not only for others and for his purposes, but also potentially for something that may happen down the road that we need money for, right? So material things aren't bad. Don't hear me say that. Uh, God's blessing will be partially enjoyment, pleasure, comforts, all those things. We're allowed to have fun and enjoy the fruits of our labor. Yet, simply hear me say, we need to honor God. So this is a simple thing. And here's what I would like to say about it. It's not, that, it's not rocket science. I didn't say anything really that hard. But what if you built a 2023 plan off of that for your life? And you're just thinking, oh, I, mean, I already have a great plan, and it's way more complex than that and really mo- way more brilliant than that. I'd say, that's awesome. Go for it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to walk through the filter of this tool because think about it. If I'm making God first in my budget from top to bottom, I think there's going to be some changes. If I'm trusting God with the tithe, I need to make sure that that's in place. If I'm sharing with people in need, that might be some vision that I need to ask God to give me. And if I'm consuming less and saving more, there might be some mindful decisions I'm going to make to say, this is where I'm going to consume less, and I'm going to make a less of a material footprint in this world so I can actually give my life to a deeper satisfaction in my life with God instead of my life in the world. So this is just a little filter. I hope that's okay. Good? All right. That's my expose on God's design for our money. I'm done. I think that took longer than 10 minutes. Sorry. I want to bring some closure to this series by casting a little bit of a new vision. As I was preparing this message, I kept thinking about this statement, the blessing of blessing. And I know God wants us to be a blessing to the world around us. And a week ago, I was actually on uh, the plane, and I was on it for several hours, and I was thinking through that statement, and specifically this question of how do we honor God with our wealth. And I, I feel like God kind of deposited a vision into my heart for, for a new ministry that I felt like, you know, as we shared it with the team, everybody was feeling the same way. And here's what I know. Collectively, you may or may not know this, but collectively, through through the faithfulness of people giving, kind of like the way we just taught, uh, our church has a resource that would say, hey, you know, we have a responsibility to honor God with what we collectively give here, right? Like through the tithes, through the offering. And what happens, if you know how this works, is collectively we all give and then we do what's called the work of the church, right, with that money. And that work of the church may be building a ministry budget to say, okay, now we can, you know, pay for buildings and we can pay utilities, which is great. We could pay staff. If we need to do that, we can, we can pay for ministry budgets like kids ministry or alpha or, or, or we can help with the, the city care ministry that we do to feed the homeless. Or we can serve, uh, you know, and, and help financially resource uh, missionaries in Albania. These are all things we do, right? And we do a lot more than that. And, and all that comes together. And we hope that it all honors the Lord as best as we can. And... I thought, well, God, is there any more that we can do to honor you and be a blessing to our city and, and, and to one another? And brought, God brought a couple of scriptures to mind. Acts 2, 44 through 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So today I'm going to ask you all to sell all your possessions. No, I'm just kidding. Not going to do that. Um, but what a picture that is, like this church that would take care of one another, right? How beautiful is that, that, that they would give to anyone who had need? This passage is specifically the act of making sure that those within the church community were taken care of uh, and that their daily needs were met and no one among them would suffer. The other passage I went to is in Romans 12, 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And I love this simple instruction in this passage. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And, and with this simple instruction uh, from God's word, I believe God put a vision 
in our heart to start, start something brand new today. And, and we're just calling it, we're calling it shared, all right? We're calling it shared. It's sharing with God's people in need and practicing hospitality. And I, let me explain this to you a little bit. But this is our Acts 2, if you will, Romans 12, 13 practice that we want to we wanna roll out. Shared is for anyone who is facing a time of need to have a simple way to let your church know that you need help. And I don't know if you know this, but as a pastor, I, I just kind of hear stories or I hear people coming. And, and, and there's so many of us that I'm not just talking about people who are in desperate need, homeless situation, or been without job for a long, long time. And this is certainly f- for people in that situation. But this is also for those of us who find ourselves in spots that just, man, we don't know what happened. But we, we're in a hole and we don't know how to get out. Um, and and we, need, we need someone to help. And, and we've been trained in this world to go somewhere else to get help. We've been trained in this world that you need to dig yourself out or go into deeper debt. And, and, and yet here we are saying, hey, let's honor the Lord. Let's honor the Lord. And, and we read scriptures about a community coming together to say, you know what? We can support one another and we can help one another. Now, that doesn't mean go be stupid and we'll bail you out. But it means how can we share what God has given to us and through us. And so the idea is, how do we faithfully trust God in our wealth, but also how do we faithfully trust God in our need? So we know that all of us, like I said, fall into difficult times or behind on bills or we lose a job for a season or we have an unexpected expense and it's difficult maybe even to do meet daily needs like food on tables or basic essentials or paying for the things that the kids need at school or whatever it may be. And for anyone who gets in that spot, we're like, what it, the church doesn't really help in that stuff. We help in the really desperate last ditch efforts. But what about all of us that like, we could just be better for one another. And so what, our, what the vision is, is we wanna honor God with what we've already had. We're, not actually, we're not actually not asking you to give to shared. What we're saying is if we faithfully give the way God's instructed to, we should be able to meet every need in this body. So this isn't a vision to ask for money. This is a vision to say, we're gonna use our money in a really intentional way, in a beautiful way, in a creative way. And if you're thinking, don't we already do this? Yeah, we do what's called benevolence, where we help people and, and that are in a need. But this is a little bit more of a creative and intentional approach in which we're saying, we wanna swing the door wide open to say, you know what? Um, we don't want to make this hard or awkward anymore for people who find themselves without a place to sleep for a week or who find themselves going, I can't do anything for my kids this Christmas because I got laid off. That, and not that it's about that stuff, but it's about just like we want to meet people in that space and stand in that gap. So shared hopes to swing the door wide open to help us in times of need with radical generosity. So this vision is less than a week old. It's a really, uh, it's really not my normal um, behavior to roll out a vision that's less than a week old, um, that has no structure or process to it, that could completely fail at any moment. That's completely stupid to some people. Like, I get it. Like, but here's what we thought is, what if we invited you into the infancy of this and said, hey, we want to actually, we see this as twofold. We see this as being a way to serve people, and we see this as a way for you, for some of us, to serve. And, and so what we thought is, you know, what if we created a system together where people could 
Maybe we, we, give out, we give out a grant that lasts for a month to help someone in a holiday season with unexpected expenses or a six-month grant or a 12-month grant. And this isn't to, we're, we're not gonna take the, the deep dive of yet of providing housing or providing long-term huge bills for people, but it's more like the daily needs um, of food or clothing or unexpected expenses, like I keep saying, or, um, and it will be focused on people within this community. We will still help people outside of this church and outreach ministries, but shared is for those who are part of this church family. Honestly, there's a lot still to be developed, but that's sort of the initial vision. And it's a little, it's a little, like I say, raw and a little undone, but I did have this heart in it is that perhaps some one in here is going to feel really fired up about this and we're going to have one or two people that lead this ministry for shared because we need to build a team to make this happen people who want to walk alongside people and find ways to meet needs and to help and to be a blessing to others uh, and and so i see this as a ministry ran by the people of this church for the people of this church not a ministry ran by a single pastor or something where everybody goes to a pastor to do this and so if nobody signs up, when I ask here in a few minutes for you to sign up, if nobody signs up to serve in this ministry, we probably won't do shared, just so you know. Um, no pressure. But uh, but that's just kind of how I feel about it is like, no, this is a vision of the church being the church. And, uh, and what's cool is you don't have to give, you just get to serve. We already give. We give to the Lord and the Lord uses that money to bless others. And so uh, this is a vision to be more proactive about helping uh, one another, blessing one another, and trusting that God has more blessing for all of us, not just some of us. And so we need a team, and I don't imagine this being a massive time commitment for a lot of us, but it's for people who really who really care about this kind of stuff. So uh, I would say this to those of you, though, that shared is being created for. I know it's really vulnerable to share when you have need, and the last thing you want to do is tell people you're in need but I would say this too, that we're trying to create a, a really simple, normal way and an easy way for you to, to share that need. So you don't have to awkwardly come and ask someone, but it's, it's literally just an invitation that we wanna know. And I'm believing that as we're launching this, that it's the exact moment that someone in here, maybe multiple people in here need it to be launched. And, and I believe that some of you are here or you're thinking, God, is this real? Because I've been praying for an opportunity or for an open door and are you really opening one up right now that could be an immediate way to help me and I'm believing this is perfect timing for some in this room so here's what we want to do we we want to make this pretty simple we created like a website not a website just a web page on our website and it's on our app and it just it looks like this and it just says shared and and if you need help with daily needs click here and if you want to serve with shared click here so it's okccommunitychurch.com backslash shared, or you can go to our app and, uh, and just find the shared button and click it. And it's pretty simple. So if you want to get your phone out, you can even look at it right now and just see what's going on. Uh, or if you're like, I want to serve in that, like sign up today or in the coming days. Or if you want to share that, hey, I have a need and I would like to, to learn more about potentially if shared can help meet that need, just sign up for that. And We'll keep it all confidential to just the shared ministry group of people that are gonna be helping with that. But um, um, my hope is that we get people signing up for both and we can get to work on sharing and being an immediate blessing um, to others because there is blessing and blessing. And so, uh, yeah, how do you guys feel about shared? Is it good? Um, 
I, I, I know it's, it's sort of like, yeah, duh, the church does that, but it's just kind of like we make it hard. And it doesn't need to be hard. So we want to make it easier. And so God is good, and I believe he's going to use it to be a blessing. And uh, I, I also believe this. Blessing begins with honor. It begins with honoring the Lord with our wealth. And it is a privilege to honor God with our lives, what we have and what we do. And I know that we can live uh, as a blessing and in his blessing. And, and that's our hope and prayer today. Uh, and I know it's been a little bit, a lot of stuff coming at you today, but hopefully today has been, uh, my hope is that it unlocks something in you. Um, that you see a greater purpose in how God not only has designed all of this, but that he's sort of equipped you with something really special that can be a blessing, not just with your money, but with your lives. Because as it says in Luke 6, 38, it says, give your life away. I'll just read that again. It says, give your life away and it will be given to you. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back, but given back with bonus and blessing. So Father, we just pray right now that as we reflect on all these things, that Lord, you would provoke in us the things that need to be provoked, that you would stir in us the things that need to be stirred. And in just a moment, the team's gonna just lead us in a song and just keep your heads bowed for a minute. I'll just give a little bit of instruction, but this, this altar will be open and you can come, but I feel like some of us need to come and we just need to pray and say, God, I just feel a little bit of, I feel stirred, Father. And we just need to come and pray. Maybe we say, God, thank you for opening a door today. Maybe we say, God, thank you for teaching me your ways today. God, thank you for just the way you, you bless. Maybe we need to say, God, I wanna be vulnerable, but it's hard. Maybe we say, God, we need to, we need to ask forgiveness. I, I haven't honored you with my wealth. Or God, forgive me for not trusting your plans. Or God, forgive me even what that scripture says of robbing you of things that I know I ought to give you. Maybe we just need to pray a prayer today. God, I want to trust you. I want to honor you. Maybe we want to say, God, would you inspire me to dream with you, with what you have in store for my future and all that I have. God, we love you pray these things in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.